0: Hey there, welcome into this week's edition of Please Bear With Me. My name's Scotty Swingler. Thankful to be talking to you once again another week on the show. And this is one of those weeks, man, where I need to apologize to you. I was out of town this past weekend, and when we got back on Sunday, didn't have time to record the pod with Martin as usual. And then just as the week's gone on, it has not happened And furthermore, uh, part of why I have waited until late to record this episode and get it out is I reached out to two former TCU players, one of whom is in the NFL, and thought I had a pretty good shot at getting both of them, and it just didn't work out this year. Could probably get both of them at a later date, probably next season. Great guys, would be excellent guests. I'm going to try to get them both again next season, but unfortunately kind of struck out this time. So I'm sitting here. uh, I I waited too long to get an alternative guest. I was really hoping it'd be one of those guys. And so this episode's going to be pretty quick to be frank with you. I'm going to give you some of my thoughts about the win over West Virginia, the upcoming matchup against TCU. It's not going to be that fun or interesting. And I'm just going to say that up front. I'm sorry if you don't like hearing me talk You know, this isn't the episode for you, and I do apologize for that, you know. But uh, we'll keep it quick today, and here's the other thing I'm going to tell you. We've got former Oklahoma safety Khalil Houghton coming on this next week after the TCU game to preview the matchup between Oklahoma and Baylor. Khalil played at Midway. That's actually how I got a connection with him, and, you know, he played at OU under Lincoln Riley and so we're gonna get his thoughts on the matchup but also just hear about what it's like to play at Oklahoma really excited I tried to get several former Oklahoma football players last season and it didn't happen but got a connection with Khalil and so we're gonna get him on next week Uh, furthermore if you thought the Blake Blackmar interview was good then we have something that I think is going to be even better for you coming very soon hopefully next week this is a player that I have now teased twice. I teased him at the end of last year. If you remember, I did a episode before the Vanderbilt game, the bowl game, and teased that I had the biggest interview coming up ever, and then it didn't happen. Well, that's because the, the meeting was canceled and it just didn't work out. Well, I also teased this same player earlier this season, and then it just didn't work out. Our connection just has not happened for... Good reason, Uh, you know, both times for good reason, not because he's a punk, because he's really awesome. And uh, it's a player that I am just shaking. I'm so excited to interview, without exaggerating, one of the best Baylor players of this decade, without question. And I just can't wait to have him on the podcast and for you to hear some of what he's been through, both in his career at Baylor. And since, and again, if you liked the Blake Blackmar interview, and that was probably the best thing we've done yet this year, this is going to be just as good, if not better. Um, So both of those things, hopefully you get a double feature next week, maybe make up for the lack of interview this week. So thanks for bearing with me, and let's dive into it, what we saw against West Virginia And then what I'm expecting to see in Fort Worth this week. Keep in mind, I did predict preseason that we were going to lose this game in Fort Worth. But let me tell you a few other things to consider in just a little bit. All right, so looking at this game against West Virginia, this has probably been said many times by many others. You can take this as a positive or a negative. I'm not really sure. How I take it, I think I take it as a positive, but I can definitely see why. For some people, this would definitely be a downer. We outplayed West Virginia statistically in just about every facet of the game. Statistically speaking, we obliterated them. Okay, so let me give you a couple of key stats here. Uh, We more than doubled them on first downs. They had 12 first downs in the game. We had 26. We more than doubled them on total yardage. West Virginia had 219, Baylor 453. We outthrew them, right, 277 to 205. But way more impressively, we held them to 14 yards rushing on 26 carries. Now, our friend Jordan Cruz last week told us that West Virginia had struggled to run the ball this year. But that's crazy. That's holding them to... Almost half a yard of carry. Really impressive job by the defense. Now, West Virginia's defense played stout against the run as well. We had 176 yards on 56 carries. Definitely a better performance than they had, but that's only 3.1 yards a carry, which is not what you're going for if you're Baylor. Uh, Penalties, we were about even. West Virginia, 89 penalty yards. Baylor, 60. Turnovers, Baylor had one more than West Virginia. All fumbles, which... Really sucks, you know, but it is what it is, you know. But if you look at the yards, the first downs, especially the fact that I, I think I heard someone say this last week that if you take away West Virginia's touchdown pass, which was like 80 some odd yards, we held them to like one yard of play. That's ridiculous. But that's, you know, the fact is we only won that game by three points. Now the turnovers were big. And West Virginia's defense, let's give them credit. The Stills brothers, some of those other guys, played outstanding. Matt Rule could not stop talking about the Stills brothers after the game, right? So are you encouraged or are you discouraged, right? What does that do for you? It was 17-14. That doesn't seem like a good result. You look at the stats and you say, oh, Baylor probably should have won by way more than that, maybe like 30-14. But does that make you feel better because we actually – played pretty well or does that make you feel worse because we couldn't translate our play to points on the scoreboard I think I mostly feel good about it I mean we only barely beat Texas Tech as well it took double overtime and it didn't seem to affect us the following week it didn't seem to throw us off and make us question ourselves and so you know I don't mind that it was a close win I think I'm encouraged that statistically it shouldn't have been a close win But I can certainly understand if it bothers you that we weren't able to put up more points. And I don't know what the solution here is. You know, I don't know. And the criticisms of Nixon and the offense continue to come in, and I just don't know that they're valid. And Michael Bartlemay can come on next week if you like and, you know, fuss at me about that if you followed kind of our Twitter argument about this for four weeks. I don't care if you have or not, but the offense, It's working. It's working, you know, disappointed we didn't put the points on the board, but statistically speaking, we're moving the football. Charlie Brewer went 20 for 26, you know, outside of that three interceptions against Texas Tech. He has been lights out this year, played really well. You know, he is keeping plays alive when the offensive line just was deteriorating right in front of him. And that's the thing, man. I think if you're going to be critical of what we saw offensively, this past week, you don't have to go after the offensive coordinator. You need to go after the offensive line. And some people want to go after Coach Bell. You know, I've said it. I think Coach Bell is one of the best coaches on the staff. I don't think he's a long-term fit as an offensive line coach, and that's okay to say, but I promise those guys are getting coached. And rules seem to say a lot this week. He, he talked about the struggles on the offensive line a lot, both post game and in his press conference earlier this week. And he just seemed to imply that it was just guys being young and – not having fully developed you know and talking about how good it will be to get connor galvin back and get a little bit more consistency on the line how much better it was to put xavier newman in for khalil keith even though he said khalil keith was actually playing pretty well it's just age and experience men and boys right uh 18 year olds 19 year olds very few of them are going to be able to block the stills brothers you need your big strong 21 year olds to do that you know Tim Watkins has talked before on this show about, you know, the difference when you're looking at wide receivers between a boy and a man, right? Uh, That was probably season one that we had that conversation. Uh, I don't remember for sure. But, you know, the point is, I don't think I can blame Nixon. If I'm going to blame Nixon, it's for the reverse pass call you know, that's something I feel like you got to save for an Oklahoma. I don't know why we pulled that out against West Virginia. I understand you're trying to get momentum home crowd. Let's make a statement. But you know, that's the only thing I'm kind of against. Other than that, I thought Nixon called a fine game. I thought Charlie Burr is running for his life, you know, taking seven sacks when he had taken 14 all season before that, you know, that's That's clearly not good, and so uh, I think it's the offensive linemen that you you need to be frustrated with this week, and I think, you know, we need to be patient with them because thus far in his tenure here, when Matt Rule says that something's going to get developed and somebody's going to get there, they have. He hasn't been wrong about guys growing up and getting where they need to be yet, so I'm going to count on the fact that it's just – that we're even though we've got a lot more depth than we did two years ago, we're still pretty dadgum young on that offensive line. So those are those were my main thoughts about the West Virginia game, y'all. It was you know looking at the statistics and saying you know it wasn't as bad as the score would indicate, and it was also looking at that offensive line and saying that's the problem. You know that is where I would attribute a lot of our struggles offensively, and I don't think it's a coaching thing. And I'm not just defending my friend Sean Bell. I think it's just I don't think it's a coaching thing. I think it's an execution thing. At some point, you can point your finger at the coaches all you want, but the players got to go make plays. And this past week, the Stills brothers made plays, and our offensive linemen, for the most part, did not. And, yeah, it's frustrating. And I I can't imagine, (laughs) you know, what Charlie's thinking and saying to those guys. I'm sure he's being a good teammate. But, you know, it is what it is, man. So we won the game. 8-0. That's huge. You know, they set the Oklahoma game time – next week to 630, obviously anticipating a really good, probably top 10 matchup, depending on who loses and where they move up Baylor, uh, if we can beat TCU, but awesome, man, in really good shape, 8-0, I did not predict this, and I don't think anybody did, if one of you predicted 8-0, holler at me, but I don't know that any of us thought we could get through Oklahoma State and Stillwater during the preseason, and there's a lot of people that didn't think we could get through Iowa State in game four, you know, so... This team continues to outperform expectations. Matt Rule still deserves coach of the year. And that is mm-hmm. that. So quickly, let's look ahead at TCU. So you heard me do it in the last segment. You've heard me do it throughout the history of this podcast. When you want to look at something objectively, I think you got to look at the statistics. You know, a lot of people value the eye test in sports. We created the college football playoff committee because they have the I test, you know, not just some computer formula or mathematical equation to determine who's good at football, but I think stats tell us a lot when our eyes can't. And you know, if you're like me, I'll be honest, I haven't watched a lot of TCU football this year, so I'm going to look at the statistics. Quick side note on statistics. Amy Paget, who I love, by the way, her Twitter account is one of my favorite follows, I don't think we've ever met in person, and that's tragic. I have asked her to be on the podcast before, and it just didn't work out. I love Amy, and she's wonderful, so I'm not talking mess. But Amy tweeted that Jemichael Hasty was a more complete running back than Lake Seastrunk. And I understand her point, I think, which would be that Jemichael blocks better than Lake did. True. And that Jamichael's is a more proven receiver out of the backfield than Lake was. Also true. Right? But her statement almost seemed to imply that Jamichael was a better running back than Lake Seastrunk. Because he's more complete. And with that, I completely disagree. And I think most people would be with me maybe we'll put up a poll this week but again I don't want it to seem like I'm picking on Amy because she's entitled to her opinion she's very smart and I agree with her on most things most of the time you know but when you look at the stats right this is why I brought this up the eye test is great the eye test tells me Lake Seastrunk was a better running back than Jamichael Hasty. he's faster shiftier scored on a ton of plays I mean When he touched the ball, he could score every time. And the stats back it up. You know, I understand it's probably not fair to compare Lake's total rushing yardage in a season to Jamichael's. Jamichael's dealt with a lot of injuries, which, by the way, Lake did too, but Lake did play most of the games while he was at Baylor. There's one statistic, in my opinion, that tells you how good a running back is. I think there's one key statistic in college, you know, because everybody plays for you. You know, in the NFL, your totals I think matter because longevity is important, especially as a running back. There's not a lot that lasts a long time. In college football, everybody plays three or four years. There's one statistic that matters: that's yards per carry. Jermichael Hasty, five point two. That's dadgum good. Five point two yards per carry in his Baylor career. Jermichael Hasty. That's really good, really good. He is a fantastic running back and he's had a wonderful season after the first few games off to a slow start he's really played well this year lake seastrunk you ready 7.6 yards per carry lake seastrunk had 289 carries while he was at baylor 7.6 yards per carry And we all think Lake wasn't a great receiver, and you know, he didn't do it often, but he did have nine receptions for over hundred yards, eleven point nine yards per catch and a reception touchdown. So Lake C Strunk, you know, statistically and I the stats back up your eye test. That's all I'm trying to say. So because I don't have a good frame of reference for TCU from an eye test perspective, and because I don't always trust the eye test, I want to look at their statistics on the season because I think. Before I looked at these stats, I had the perception that TCU has not been a great team this year. You know, they're 4-4. Four four. They beat Kansas already. They won some non-conference games that they should have. And they beat the most overrated team and the most overrated quarterback in the nation when they beat Texas. That's what I've been telling you all season. You know, none of their wins just jump out at me, but I'm looking at the stats. Here's what the stats say. TCU is sneaky good they're averaging 33.3 points per game that's really good they're averaging five yards per carry as a team that's really good I remember I said something about Kansas State before that game and what they were averaging and it was just a hair over five yards I think now listen Baylor's defense is going to hold TCU under that average without question without question but They are a much better running team than West Virginia, who we just shut down, okay? They've only given up 15 sacks this year. That's less than Baylor. They're 46.9% on third down. That's not too shabby. On defense, they've got 10 interceptions this season. They've got 10 interceptions on the year, which is really impressive. They are losing the turnover battle on the year, though, because they have nine lost fumbles on the year to go along with five interceptions that they have thrown their total defense is not quite as good as baylor's they're giving up less yards per game but in yards per play and opponents touchdowns baylor definitely has tcu beat in terms of defense but tcu's defense not shabby ranked number 25 in the nation in terms of total defense and you know with that in mind TCU is going to put up a much better fight against Baylor than I think I expected at the beginning of this week. So here's how my progression has been in looking at this game. Preseason, I thought it was one we should win, but we would drop. When we went on the road and spanked Oklahoma State in that second half, I honestly expected TCU to not be much of an obstacle. But after playing West Virginia too scary close, being on the road in Fort Worth, Combined with the fact that when I look at those statistics, I think TCU is better than I gave them credit for at the beginning of this week. This is going to be a tight game. That being said, today I'm going to tell you something. I trust Coach Rule in this situation this season. In close games, I give us the edge. I think the only way TCU wins this game is if they come out hot, quick, and just put us away early, and I don't think they're going to be able to do that against our defense and with their troubles and injuries at quarterback. I know we can't overlook them. I know they're still going to score. They've still got Jalen Rager is what Matt Rule's been saying all week, and he is freaking right, but I think we're going to win this football game. I really do. I think it's going to be tight. I think TCU's going to play their best game maybe of the season so far. But I'll say this too. TCU does not have to beat us to get bowl eligible. They've still got West Virginia and Texas Tech left on their schedule. Both games they should definitely win. So they can go 6-6 six and six without beating us. However, it is a rivalry game. Gary Patterson wants to beat Baylor more every year than anyone else. I'm convinced. So it'll be tight. I'm going to take Baylor. 32 27. That's how I think it's going to go. I think Baylor's going to win by four to six points, and I think it's going to be an exciting college football game. Can't wait to see how our Bears play in Fort Worth. I hope if you live in the DFW area, you're able to go and be. Loud and cheer on the Bears at an early morning game. Those early morning games can do some funky stuff for your team's psyche, but Rule says he likes morning games. I think our team's going to be reared up and ready to go for the rivalry themselves, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens. But yeah, I've got Baylor in a tight one in Fort Worth. All right, I told you I'd keep it short today, and I did my best. Thanks for listening I know it's not the most fun thing to listen to me talk. I know that we've tried to avoid that format on purpose, but I do appreciate it, and I hope you'll join us next week for hopefully two really outstanding and insightful interviews. Definitely one of them that I'm not going to name the player just yet because we're going to make sure that it actually happens. I think you're going to love it. I think you're really going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy it, and that's all I'll say about it. All right. Hey, sick'em, Bears thanks for listening. Thanks to Tim Watkins for believing in me and putting this podcast out every week with me. Really appreciate you guys. We'll be back and better than ever next week. I'm telling you, this is Please Bear With Me.